session with Dr. Farid Holakwi. Good afternoon and welcome to In Session with Dr. Farid Holakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Farid Holakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and free podcast on iTunes. Again, our studio number 310-441-0555. Before I discuss the book for this past week, I wanted to announce the book for this week that I'll be talking about uh, next week, probably on Wednesday, because I might have a guest on Monday night, still figuring that out. But the book is Why Do I Do That? by Joseph Burgo. And now this book, uh, very, uh, I'm very happy to have this book be the book of the week because uh, two very kind individuals, Sahand and Puya, who I see at uh, school on Wheels on Thursdays, and always there and almost every week bringing something for the kids there as a snack and being so great with them. They actually gave me this book. They said they wanted to suggest it to me, um, but instead of just suggesting it to me, they handed me a copy of it, which was very, very kind of them. And they said they enjoyed the book, looking at psychological defense mechanisms. And they said it. Uh, he describes them in a very clear way and what I read about the book it seems like it does that so I thought it'd be a good book one I have not read yet um, but I'll post a picture of it on my social media today so people can make sure they're getting the right book it's why do I do that by Joseph Burgo and again a big thank you to Puya and Sahand for giving me this book um, the book for this past week that I'll talk about today uh, was actually the longest book I've had so far for the book club and also um, one that's not purely a psychological book, it's actually more of a history book, and that is Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind by Yuval Noah Harari. Um, it was a very, very interesting read. I got to learn a lot in the process of reading it about human history and what's happened or what has contributed to where we are today. And really, we don't quite understand ourselves till we know our past individually, but even collectively as humans to really understand how things have become as they are. And also, as you read the book and you look at history, you realize, well, things haven't always been the way they are, or just because things are a certain way doesn't mean they are right or they need to be this way. Very often we think, well, this is just the way things are or the way things have to be. But when you look at history, you realize, no, there's so much that happened and because of how it happened maybe some of it by chance maybe some of it just by certain conditions things continue to be that way but uh Yuval Noah Harari in this book outlines human beings and going back even um millions of years ago and looking at even when there were multiple human species something I didn't know too much about and then seeing how homo sapiens evolved and essentially became the last living one and we don't know all the history was it a violent takeover was it just that we survived 
the best? Was even there some intermating between, for example, Homo sapiens and Neanderthals? They're not 100% sure about any of that. But looking at how we became the primary species um, as, as human beings go. And he looks at the development of various things, which I thought was very interesting, including language. And you might think, well, why did language evolve? And if we look at our physiology, we see that our bodies, for example, even our throat uh, and tongues are made to be able to speak, even at the expense of certain things. For example, um, we can choke a lot easier than our primate relatives because our throats are made a certain way where we can produce more sound. So why is language so important? And he talks about how one important reason language evolved amongst many was to allow us to be able to talk about other people's reputations, to gossip. Now, not necessarily in the way that we do it now, where we want to know who had the bigger wedding or who's dating who or who did what, but because you had to know someone's reputation to know that if they were worth um, working with or working together with or if you could trust them. And so it was very important. And this was hard to do when you don't have language, when you just can make a few single signals or symbols. And so language evolved amongst other reasons to allow us to be able to gossip because as we grew, and he talks about how we've expanded the size of our groups, because in earlier hunter-gatherer tribes we maybe had 100, 150 people, you could understand or know that whole group. But once we have cities, which became more prevalent during after the agricultural revolution that he talks about, well, then you needed to know how can I trust someone I don't know. And one way was we were able to communicate about these things. So he goes throughout the human history coming to the present day and even making some predictions about the future or things we can look at about where we're going with science and technology. And the third revolution he talks about is the scientific revolution. And one thing I thought was very interesting, I have I never heard it presented this way, was he talked about how the big change in the scientific revolution wasn't that we learned so much, but really the initial stage or the initial mindset was to recognize our ignorance that we don't know. And how many people thought that if anything was worth knowing, it was in the religious books before. Well, if God didn't have anything to say about it, then either we know everything we need to know about it, or it's not very important. But there was a, a, a shift in the mindset that, no, we don't know much. There's so much that we don't know about. And science really be begins with this premise of ignorance. We don't know, so we're going to study, and we're going to observe and measure and and do all the things that are part, part of the scientific method, something that we take for granted that that's how we think about things. But for most of human history, they didn't approach thinking or looking at the world in this way. And so science was this huge shift in human history, but it didn't necessarily always, or it didn't have to become that way. And it took this mindset of ignorance, which we, we still take going forward, that although we've we learn a lot about the world, we still don't know a lot. And we approach everything with that mindset. And actually the cultures that were able to use this mindset in the scientific revolution were able to progress at a far faster speed. But now looking at progress itself, and even we can maybe put that words in progress, because Harari talks about in the book how we think we're progressing when we've made advancements, let's say new tools, new technology, and things of that sort, but 
what's the point of all that? It's something he says history doesn't really ask is, are these changes making people happier? Is it making life better? And he argues in various parts of the book and focuses more at the end of the book that not necessarily so. Um, when we tra- changed into the agricultural revolution and many people were then farming, really the lives of people didn't get better, at least not for most people. There were the elite that might have been enjoying the benefits of what was going on, but for most people, they were working harder, they were working longer hours, they were being forced to be around more people, which led to more diseases, so they had less chance or more of a chance of becoming ill, and their lives really weren't as good. Also, their diet became more restricted. As he talks about in the book, we think that we domesticated wheat, but in some ways wheat domesticated us because it forced us to live in a certain way. We had to then make sure we lived around the farms and and then tended to the farms. So really, we helped spread wheat where it wasn't as much uh, covering the land, but it covers the land more. So who really is winning in that battle is kind of an interesting way of looking at it. But if we look at how these things that we think of as advancements or progress have affected the uh, experience for human beings, we can't always say things have gotten better because of the advancements. Now, when we think about, for example, living in a hunter-gatherer society for ourselves, you might think, oh, I could never do that. I would be unhappy. But of course, we have to keep in mind that what we create as luxuries soon become necessities or feel like needs. Right now, having a cell phone feels like a need. I mean, if we think, for most of us to think to go through a day or a few days without your cell phone, you think, oh, that's impossible. But of course, just a few decades ago, and maybe many of the lifetimes of people who are listening right now, there was no such things as mobile phones that you carried with you and had all of these things that you had to do, and you survived just fine. So, Yes, when you have it now to take it away, it feels like a loss and you don't think you could be happy without it. But that's because that luxury then turned into a need. And that's how we feel. So if you think about living in that hunter-gatherer tribe, you think, oh, that seems horrible. But we don't necessarily know that we're happier now than we were then. And that's a very important question for us to think about. Um in all the advancements that we make, and if he talks about science as well, something that we have to be aware of is things have definitely changed with the advancement of science, for example, that we can now really end the whole world or human population with the weapons that we have created. This has made a sizable shift in the way that we approach um, international relations. And actually just this weekend, I'm sure many of you saw the news that North Korea tested what we think is an intercontinental intercontinental ballistic missile, um, which essentially means that it, potentially they're moving towards being able to fire a nuclear bomb from North Korea and basically get to anywhere um, they'd like. And specifically for them, getting to the American continent is something that they say they are striving for. And that could definitely change the way we interact with them. But in general, he talks about in this book, of course, which was written a few years ago before what I just mentioned, how just the advancement of having nuclear weapons has changed the way we have to approach things. We can't just go to war with people as easily as we did before because we know that the potential consequences are so severe and could be fatal for the planet as a whole. And even that creates shifts. Um, But in the last chapter or chapters, he talks about how science is advancing. And for me, it's important to 
recognize that sometimes science can advance faster than we ethically advance or that we advance in understanding how we can potentially use or abuse or misuse the technology that is coming about. I think the nuclear uh, nuclear weapons was actually one of those um, instances of that. But he talks about how we have to be aware of this and how we're advancing. He even talks about how maybe human beings won't be around anymore because of the way uh, technology is advancing and there's um, cyborgs and we can combine people with technology. And a lot of it was I, I didn't really understand or really know if it's more speculation or where we're going to go with it. But it's hard to know how technology will advance. And I think that we have to always be aware that we advance morally while we also advance scientifically. And if we have imbalances in the two, this can lead to really horrible consequences when we have people with capabilities and power and insatiable greed who then can use this power as they wish. It can lead to real dire consequences. Um, so I really did enjoy the book for me. I learned a lot. Um, and of course, even when you're hearing someone describe history, which we think as the retelling of facts, we know that it always comes with biases, that no one tells a story, whether it's a personal story between a husband and wife. I always know when I'm in therapy with them to understand there's three sides, the husbands, the wives, and then the truth, which is somewhere probably in between. But even when someone is telling us about history, we know it is susceptible to bias. So I tried to take what he was saying as um, not just pure truth, but definitely probably a good perspective on it, while also recognizing that he likely has his own biases that are in the book as well. But I thought it was a very good read um, and for me very informative. And just to give you an idea of this bias in in history, for me, I think it's it's almost laughable when we look at something like celebrating Columbus Day in the United States. Um, so we celebrate that in 1492. And when I was a kid, it was we all were even sang a song. In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. It was something we had to learn and, you know, think about as this great discovery. But to me, I think of it as if I came to your house, went into your closet and brought out a shirt and said, look, I discovered this shirt. And you're like, I've had this shirt for three years, but I say, no, no, I've discovered it. This is a big deal. And I celebrate it and people praise me because I've discovered this shirt that you've had your whole life. But um, really that shows how much of a bias we've had in history, seeing it from the European or Western mindset that although people lived here for thousands of thousands of years, when the Western or the Europeans, I should say, got here, then it became a place where it became discovered. Um, again, these people lived here for generations and generations, but now because we were seeing it from our perspective, something was being discovered when really it was always there. So we have to be aware of the biases of history and how we look at history and trying to hear it from different people's perspective to understand it better. But nonetheless, the book Sapiens, I highly recommend. Um, and he has a new book called Homo Dos, or Dios, or basically Two. I think it's looking at the advancement of humans and what can happen in the future. But if you uh, would like to get a good, brief history of humankind, and he's as he calls it, uh, I'd recommend Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. I actually got the recommendation from uh, my brother, Parham, who usually gives me some good book recommendations. So thank you to him for recommending this book to me. And again, the book for this week is Why Do I Do That by Joseph Burgo. Hopefully you'll join me in reading that. 
All right, we've reached our first commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tulakwi. We'll be right back. back let's go to a caller radio hamra you're on the air yes hi dr farid i'm so happy to be talking to you oh. thank you so much for such a wonderful show you always have oh i appreciate that thank you thanks for calling um i'm gonna try to avoid all this noise from outside i'm gonna go inside okay that'll help us thank um, you yes um i'm actually in a relationship in a long distance relationship mm-hmm. and um i'm 49 years old Mm-hmm. And the person that I'm uh, communicating with, uh, he's 56. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been actually divorced twice, and I have two kids, um, 23, um, 22 and 19-year-olds. And uh, his wife passed away five years ago. Okay. And uh, he has a 26-year-old daughter and a 23-year-old son. And uh, we've been in communication with each other for over past five months. And um, we've seen each other three times. I just came back from a trip mm-hmm. uh, to see him. And actually, I was um, visiting uh, his kids for the very first time. Okay. Um, his kids were, of course, very hesitant. Um, the first time I went down, which was understandable, but um, this time uh, he made arrangements that we meet. Okay. Uh, he has also met my kids, and my kids are completely okay with him. Um, so... Uh, his daughter from the beginning, uh, I knew that it was going to be some issues, mm-hmm. um, but um, I got them a couple of gifts for the kids, and when I saw them, I gave them the gifts, and the son really appreciated it, And um, but the, um, his daughter, um, you know, it seemed like, oh, it's okay, uh, thank you so much, and appreciative and all that, but I kind of noticed that she put it aside, and she didn't take it to her room. So later on, I told him, I said, I think that she didn't like the gift. And uh, so when he asked her later on, uh, she said, oh, because she's so much into natural stuff, uh, she told him, oh, the ingredient has uh, this much, this, these ingredients are horrible, and uh, I'm not going to be using that. And when he asked what she thought about me, uh, she had all the negative stuff. Like, oh, she laughs out loud, and she's, you know, not, uh, you know, she had all the negative things to, mm-hmm. to say. Uh, the son was okay, and but she was the one who was having issues. Now, uh, he, I was totally blown away with all these negativity. I knew it, I, I didn't have high expectations that she's going to right away like me, but mm-hmm. I also didn't expect the immediate dislike or hatred, you know, this type of high negativity. Um, so when I told her, told him, you know, he said, oh, let's go and buy her, um, you know, a gift card. So maybe this way she would realize that, oh, um, you know, you're making the effort. So we got her the gift card. We went to her workplace. And she before that, she, was, she told us it was okay to go to her workplace and so she could show us around about the fitness place and so forth. Um, but when we went there, um, she was not welcoming at all. 
she came over. She said, you know, I'm extremely busy. Don't even bother. Um, and I kind of told him, you know, let's go. I don't think this is a good idea. And he said, no, no, let's stay. You know, we have to give her gift cards. So then later on when she was uh, less busy, um, he kind of kept on pushing her to come and talk to us. For yeah, well, that, that's something we have to, you know, the pushing I would be very much against. You know, we're we're dealing with it's a anytime a, parents who have adult children are trying to date, it's going to be a challenge, and especially in this case, their their mother passed away five years ago, um, and she's the female. She's the twenty six year old. Yes. Okay. You know, so there's you have to be ready that this is going to be a challenge, and yeah. that I know you're trying to you know getting the gifts makes sense, but we're not going to buy her to feel good about you. It's going to take time. Um, And even with that, we don't know. Maybe she'll never feel okay with it. So the first thing I would say is definitely for you to not take any of it personally. Um, It's possible once she gets to know you better, she won't like you or, you know, there could be personality conflicts you guys have. But it's a good chance that off the bat, she's not going to like you. And I would ask that the person you're, you're dating, he recognizes that too, that she's going to need time and space and to try to force it, like you're saying here at the at her workplace, you know, maybe she thought she'd be okay, and then you guys showed up, and it just didn't feel right for her, and mm-hmm. she didn't want that. And I, you know, we can respect that. I think I was going to ask, and you you said it yourself that you guys asked before you just showed up to her work, and that's good. You don't want to surprise her or ambush right. her like that. You asked her, and she said it's okay, and then you showed up. She, you know what? It doesn't feel right, um, and then you have to just respect that. And you were trying to, and maybe he's really trying to push it to make it work, and to show you that it's okay and show her it's okay and we got you a gift card and she's going to like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I wouldn't put, try to force it too much. You, you've you been dating, what, five months and you've seen mm-hmm. them two or three times um, or maybe this twice. the first time I was meeting them. First time meeting them. Okay, he met your yeah. kids once too. So, you know, you have to expect that they're just she's her not liking you. To me, I don't take that as your guys' relationship is bad anything bad about you or even anything bad about her it's just this is gonna be a challenge and it seems like you're trying to do that but i would hope he would do that too is to give her time and space and not expect that oh you're supposed to be nice to this woman that now is entering your life you know we have to understand that him dating is for him and he has to take care of himself so i'm not saying he's being selfish or bad or mean but mm-hmm. what what does his daughter want with her you dating him you know he she maybe doesn't want you in her life so mm-hmm. we have to understand that that for her it might feel like an inconvenience or a, a, worse than that a discomfort of okay here's this woman who sometimes there's this feeling of does she think she's going to be my mom especially their mom if their mom was still alive there'd be different dynamics at play but their mother passing away it, it, it could create a different feeling of who is this person trying to replace my mom, you know? So you have to be ready for that, that you're entering into a challenging situation. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, I'm the first woman that he ever dated okay. after the death of their mom. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what I kept telling him. What if she's not going to be okay with me? Yeah. Um, what, what if she, and then he keeps saying, no, 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 I know my daughter. And, 
she's going to be okay as the time passes by and as she gets to know you, we're going to be fine and you don't worry. Um, it seems like she's not going to also, and I kind of maybe tested him a little bit, said, you know, what, you know, let's just play the, you know, devil's advocate and say she's not okay with me. Then I don't want to marry you if, if she's not okay with me because kids have to be on the same page. And he had kind of agreed with me. Okay, how did you feel about that? I didn't like it. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you wanted him to say, it doesn't matter, I'll marry you anyway. Exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. So now, you know, we're talking about um, the daughter and her side, but also seems like for you, you feel like you want him to choose you over her too. Yeah. So, you know, there is this, um, this is getting even more complicated. So she, you want to make sure he cares about you more than his daughter. And if you ask me, not that it's about comparing, but he's first their father um, before he's your, your girlfriend or whatever you want to call it. And I'm not saying they have to be mutually exclusive, but I can understand that for him, he, uh, you know, he has to take that into account. He can't forget the, he'll, he'll be their father till the day he dies. Um, so he no, can't I, neglect that. And yeah. I, again, I would hope it doesn't become an either or type of a situation where it's right. like either she's unhappy or you're unhappy. But uh, if anything, I would say she takes some precedent. Now she gets, she's older and she's going to have her own life. Um, mm -hmm. And that's also something we can look at. But, um, you know, that's something for you, you to keep in mind and to not try to force, you know, don't think, well, I, I wouldn't extrapolate too far that because she was unhappy this time. She's not going to ever be happy. And also, yeah. I wouldn't agree with, okay, she definitely will be happy. We don't know. But yeah. that you have to accept that this is part of the package of him, the person yeah. that you're interested in, that he has these two kids, and one of them is is maybe more resistant to him dating again than the other one. Yeah, and also I told him that I have this fear because in the past, what has happened was somebody's child also was, I mean, younger and... Um, he was unhappy, and after nine months of relationship, we, we decided to end it because of um, his son not being okay with us. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm afraid of. I invest so much time, and what if we keep waiting and waiting and waiting, and she never becomes okay with me? Yeah, I, I guess, you know, that's, um, I can understand your concern, especially also you've had the past experience, and even if you didn't, it's a legitimate concern, and really that's, in love, we never have guarantees in general. But then again, when you have these added complications of previous marriages and previous children, well, then it even complicates it even further. There's no guarantee. You you can date him for longer, and she still is never okay, and it gets even more complicated. You you can't know, and you can't. And that's why I want you to be careful, because often in these cases, we try to rush things. Okay, is she going to be okay? And even I think that's what he was doing. We're going to go to her work and get her the gift she wants, and then she's going to like you. And it probably has nothing to do with the gift or what kind of gift you gave. It's going to take some time, and even still, we don't know. So I'd be careful not to try to rush it. That, okay, because I don't want to put time into this and it, for it to feel a waste of time, I need to know now how she feels. So I'm going to ask her, are you ever going to be okay with me? Because really, she can't even give you that answer. And if she already doesn't like you right now, she probably would rather say no, so you leave. So... What's the point of asking her? So you're entering into the situation with no guarantees, as we always do in any kind of relationship. But especially here, it's even more complicated that it's not just about you and him, it's about you and him and your two kids and their two kids and, and all of that. Yeah, and, and one of my question was one thing that kind of concerns me of how much um, 
kind of control she has over him mm-hmm. uh, in a sense that um, before we, I met his kids, I was asking about Facebook, becoming friends on Facebook, and he was reluctant. I could feel it. And when I told him, when I asked him uh, on my trip, uh, what was the reluctance for? And he said, well, I didn't want us to become friends on Facebook before my kids saw you and talked to you. So, you know, if if it had happened before we met, uh, before they met you, and we we are friends, then if you may comment something on my Facebook, then my daughter is going to see it, and she might get upset. Hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm not, you know, looking at their relationship, that's also something important. Um, she's still living at home with him? Yeah. Okay. Both of them do. Both, okay. And how about your kids? Uh, my daughter does. Okay, that's the younger one? Yes. Okay. So you have a 22 and a 19, so the daughter lives with you. Okay. Well, you know, they, they live together, and with the parent, one parent dying, sometimes it creates even a closer bond between the other parent and the kids. Mm-hmm. So maybe their relationship became more dependent, and if for five years he hadn't brought anyone else into his life, mm-hmm. he maybe got even closer to the kids. And I'm not, I don't want to say it's unhealthy, but maybe more than what would be good for him to be able to then create his own relationships later on. So there could be some closeness. And I think you are feeling that push and pull between you and her at mm-hmm. some level. Who is he yeah. going to choose? And you have to be careful not to get, make him feel like that's the choice because it's not really fair to him, but it, no. it, it, it shouldn't come to that because I don't think in the long run you're going to want to live in that life where he chooses, let's say that it's a good feeling that, oh, he chooses you over her. But then what is your life going to look like where he, if he's such a, you know, he, you probably like him because he's a caring person and a caring mm-hmm. father. And then now he's he's doing that. So you have to be careful. Try not to put him in that situation because I think if anything, it'll hurt you and the relationship. Do you think that it's going to be forever the way that if she is kind of controlling his life and how careful he was like even on mother's yeah. day well let me i'm gonna have to you know i have a crystal ball here I'm, you have to give me a minute for it to clear up <laughs> and to tell you exactly what's gonna happen you know, and that's and i understand you're wanting to know but right. that's what i'm trying to tell you is that these are the types of things it's just like you know someone could call in and tell me well you know uh, um, i'm dating this guy and he he does this and this is he gonna cheat on me i, I can't tell you you know if they're gonna cheat on you or not i if we could, it would be a lot easier. But our anxiety, we can understand. You know, hang on. Let's talk a bit after the break because I sure. want to talk a bit about what you're concerned about and, okay. and talk a bit more, okay? Okay. Thank All you. right. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tolokwi. We'll be right back. back before the break we were with the caller let's go back to her hello oh, thank you so much doctor okay thank you for calling so before the break you were asking me and i told you i could not let you know how things are going to go but i can understand that shows you what you are worried about is this yeah. is this gonna um is she gonna change her mind is that gonna affect us now i'm also wondering you and him and also just obviously more for you personally what are you looking for as far I'm as a relationship for a peaceful, goes. peaceful relationship where, you know, outer, you know, influences are limited. Okay. Uh, but with both of you having children, that's 
less likely. But I also meant, are you looking to get married again? Are yes, you definitely okay? So that also would involve moving um, yeah. to the same city. Have you guys even opened up that dialogue of what that would look like? Yeah, uh, we both talked about it, and since I still, uh, my daughter is going to still live with me for uh, for the one year, so we're not going to really make any kind of move uh, before one year. Mm-hmm. So we already decided, and um, I'm going to be moving where he is. Okay, so that that's a pretty big change, obviously. Um, yes. And did you, have you even opened that discussion with your children? Um, yes, both of them are okay because one of them is in school in New York, uh-huh. and uh, this one she's completely open with it. And she said, "You know, mom, you didn't think that we're always going to be close to you. We're going to have our own lives and uh, move to different states." Um, she doesn't know which school she's going to end up because she's going to finish her two-year college, okay, and then she's going to go to a university. Somewhere. Okay, so it seems like genuinely. Well, one is far away, and she seems okay with it. Um, yeah. And then, as far as yourself career or anything like that is is there going to be any issue with moving for you no um there are plenty of jobs where he is at so um i'm not concerned about that at all okay um you know now going back to when i asked you i meant more about the type of relationship but you mentioned something about without outside influences are limited but you know even in a relationship without the situation you're in you're always going to have outside influences we it would be nice to have our beautiful love affair in a vacuum, like just, you know, Romeo and Juliet and enjoy each other, but that's not life, you know, and that's why we say love is never enough. It's not just about loving each other, it has to also make sense and work in a lot of different ways in order for a relationship to have a chance of surviving. So, um, and you have to accept, as I said before the break, that part of the package that is this man is his two kids. doesn't mean that you're going to be the mother to these kids or you have to be responsible to them, especially because they're adults, but you have to accept that that's his life, especially because he's living with them right now. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally, totally understand that he has these responsibilities. Um, what my concern is that if he... Sometimes I had told him that it seems like the role of a, a parent and child has been uh, switched. And he he is the one listening to her more than she's the one listening to him. Mm-hmm. Um, like for example, you know, uh, on Mother's Day he didn't wish me a happy Mother's Day because uh, she, because she doesn't have a mother, and even though she would not see a text from his phone to my phone, but he still was concerned and he didn't do it. Um, is, now uh, let me stop you there. Are we sure? Did he not just forget? No, no. Uh, he had told me, enjoy your Mother's Day. Um, Before? With your kids, yeah. Okay. And you were hoping for something on Mother's Day? Yes. Yeah, Which I can understand. Yeah. And yeah. then later on when you brought it up the next day, maybe he said, because of her, I didn't wish you. Exactly. exactly. Mm, I'll be honest with you, it smells a little fishy. I mean, I'm not saying it's something really bad, but I think either he forgot or didn't know what to do, and then you were upset, and he said that because to say I couldn't... Unless maybe he said I was so preoccupied with her and we forgot that I forgot, which I can maybe even understand that, but to say because she doesn't have a mom, I don't want to wish you a happy Mother's Day, just seems a little bit weird. Yeah, because, well, I'm sure he didn't forget it because the same day we talked to each other, I said my kids are taking me out for Mother's Day, mm-hmm. and he said enjoy your time. 
And then when I mentioned it to him, he said, even on Facebook, for since his wife passed away, he hasn't been putting Happy Mother's Day for anyone because his kids would see it and they would get upset. Has have his kids told him that, or he's assuming they might? Uh, I I haven't. I'm not sure. Okay. Well, I mean, maybe. I mean, if you talk to him again, you can. I'm just one. I'm just curious if that's his thought, or they've said, "Dad, we don't want to see you wish Happy Mother's Day to anyone." Because you know, if you ask me, I would hope that on Mother's Day they actually remembered their mom and and well, you know, obviously if they wanted to, but remembered their mom and talked about mm-hmm. her, not just ignored it, which a lot of. Um, uh, Persians especially, we like to avoid and deny things and think that's better. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear stories of kids who lost parents at a young age and then they try not to let them even think about or talk about the deceased parent, which is not exactly. healthy at all. So I don't know what they did and how they're handling it. It seems like maybe he's just afraid of looking at or using the word mother around them because they might have a reaction. Um, but, you know, and actually, if, if you don't mind me asking, do you know how the mother passed away? How old she was? How she died. Oh, brain cancer. Oh, okay. That's very sad. You know, so these kids saw something very, you know, probably there's maybe in a few years of of seeing Seven years she was sick. So that's most of, you know, that's a long time. You know, the the daughter was, what, 21 when she passed away, but we're saying 14 years old when her mother was sick. So they've been through a lot. You know, that's really, really difficult, painful to see you know, their mother go through all that and then to lose her. So mm-hmm. you're not entering into a, there is no like perfect scenarios anyway, but this is really one that's, that's got a lot of um, intense issues surrounding it. And you have to be ready that, yeah, okay, when the daughter sees me and she doesn't like me, I can kind of get it. You know, when you tell me the story, I'm not, like I said, at all disappointed in her and doesn't make me think at all less of you. It's just a tough situation that we have to be ready. And maybe that's why he hasn't dated for five years. Maybe. Um, because he knew how sensitive it was. If he's saying, I don't even wish Mother's Day to anyone because of my kids, that's difficult. I also wonder how he's grieved the loss of his ex. Maybe something you don't like to think about much. Um, but is he, you know, at the time has been enough. But time is not the only thing that heals. We have to, to grieve the loss itself, so you, know, you have to really think about where is he, as far as I had being asked him. Okay. I had even from the very beginning, I had asked him, "Are you sure you're ready for a relationship? Mm-hmm. Uh, have you healed yet?" And he continuously said, "Yes." Um, I took that five years, focused on my kids, and we all healed, and um, you know, I'm okay. Okay. So, sorry about this. Um, so, you know, he seems like he's okay. Actually, what happened when he was 12 years old, he himself lost his mother. Wow. And he had, after two years, his dad remarried. And, um, he actually was, uh, he was, he's a twin brother. He has a twin brother. Mm-hmm. So he was more okay with it than his brother. He quickly accepted and he was okay with the stepmom. Um, now, you know, I'm not saying he didn't, but sometimes a kid will just give, do what they think the parent wants. So I'm not saying we don't know what his process He's had to go through a lot. That's a lot to deal with losing a mother that younger than having a new stepmom. And sometimes, sometimes, you know, I hear parents, they say, oh, the divorce was harder on my 12-year-old than my 8-year-old. My 12-year-old mm-hmm. cried all the time. My 8-year-old never cried and was okay. And I, I worry even more about the 8-year-old. So 
I'm not saying it wasn't easy for him or he didn't have an okay time with it, but there's a lot there too. So he has a lot in his past as well. So you have to be ready that, yes, you want to have a relationship without outside conflict or pressures, but that's not possible with him. You have to accept that if I want to be with him, I'm accepting a huge outside pressure or pressures which are his children. And, and that's what you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. And his son is accepting me much, much easier than she is. You know, we all had dinner together. He was very pleasant. He even, you know, told him that, yeah, she's, ni she's nice and I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. But she's the one who's having major issues. Yeah. But even in the way you talk about it, I can feel the, you know, the anger towards her, his daughter, which... I can understand, but I want you to be aware of that, that you have an anger towards her. Um, oh, he's, you know, look how easy he's handling. It's not a big deal, but she's the one. Even the way you said it, that your tone really shifted. And so I want you to be aware of that, that that's, that's there, and that you have that yeah. anger towards her. Because in your mind, I think right now, she's the reason we're having, you know, she's the obstacle. She's the problem. But I would hope you can take, you know, Take her perspective. Put yourself in her shoes. She's 14 years old and her mom gets brain cancer, struggles yeah. with it for seven years. And we can only imagine what she had to witness of that, sometimes mm -hmm. having or sometimes not um, seeing her go through various treatments and how it took a toll on her body mm -hmm. and everything and then losing her. And then now right. being 21 and losing your female figure, your mother figure in your life. And then, you, you know, you, you maybe settle into having your life make some kind of semblance of sense with the three of you, with your brother and your father. And then this new woman comes into the picture. Right. I, I can understand, you know, I, I obviously don't know what she's feeling. I'm just making a lot of assumptions there. But just based on what you're telling me, trying to just put myself in her shoes, I can see, okay, man, maybe she's not going to be so thrilled about this new woman showing up at the house. Right. You know, and you've been talking to this man for five months, but I don't know when he even mentioned you to them. And so you're new. So even though you think, oh, we were so close, we know each other, to you, to her, you're completely brand new. You're this new person. So he, he briefly talked to them. And the funny thing is, at the beginning, uh, even uh, uh, since like two months ago, um, up to two months ago, he was even going to his. Um, closet and talking to me on the phone mm -hmm. because she didn't want to hear him on yeah. the phone with me. So, you know, again, and I know you're saying you think it's the, the role reversal. Uh, it seems like he's just so afraid to hurt, especially her, because she maybe at least expresses more or is more sensitive. Mm -hmm. And so even he was hiding that he was talking to you and talking in the closet. So you guys are are definitely, I mean, now it sounds a little more like Romeo and Juliet, but you guys are hiding some of the relationships. So you have to be, that's not, you know, that shows where he's at. As much as he's saying, I'm so in the right place, maybe as far as being a human being as in all his roles as a father, as well as an individual, maybe he's not as ready as he thinks. Or maybe things are more okay, but he's afraid, just like he's afraid to write even Mother's Day or to reach out to you and say mm -hmm. Happy Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure which one it is. It seems like a, at least a little bit of both. I think uh -huh. I think his kids can tolerate him saying Happy Mother's Day to people or understanding that that's going to happen or that things related to moms are going to come up. It might be painful for them, but they can accept that. Again, for me, him not saying Happy Mother's Day to you 
it could be his own issue with it that he couldn't bring it up. But I wouldn't say that he can't text you or tell you Happy Mother's Day or even send you something if that's something you want to do. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's that's you know something to that he couldn't do. So you're dealing with a difficult situation. I want you to recognize that there's no guarantee. I hope it wouldn't feel like a waste, even if you get to know him another six months and let's say it doesn't work out, which it might not just not work out because of her. And that's another thing you have to be aware of, not to make her um, like every, sometimes people have one obstacle and they make that the only focus and they forget that they could have issues in their own relationship. So outside of her, you have to focus on your relationship with him as well, but there's no guarantees. It could be six months later, you guys have to break up for her because of her or some other reason. And that's just love and life that there's no guarantees. Yeah, that, that's the only thing. I, 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 I do feel his fear and his soul being careful around her, mm-hmm. tiptoeing around her. Um, that's what makes me kind of like, I, my personality is I like someone who's strong and they uh, take care of their, like, they take charge. And when I see that he's like this, uh, I don't know, deep down I feel hmm. a little bit of... Uh, he's not man enough. He's not man. I don't know. Yeah, although I'm wondering, you know, on one hand you're saying that, on the other hand I was wondering before when you brought her up as the mom, it was almost like I felt you were saying, I don't want him to listen to her, I want him to listen to me. (laughs) So maybe there is that man enough part, but maybe it's that you'd rather he he listens to you, not her. You want that, you know, for it to be that way and he really never had his mom in his life so maybe i mean not didn't but lost her at a young age so he could have issues related to maternal figures as well so maybe you play that role and even in our call i did focus more on her the daughter and that part of the relationship but we didn't talk about you and him and maybe you know there are other callers on the line so i want to get to them as well but that's worth looking at too like i said we don't want to make it that the only thing to worry about is this daughter and everything else is okay you guys very likely have your own issues on you know, one of them being being long distance, you know, and mm-hmm. the the obstacles that has not just in being in a relationship, but also in really getting to know each other because right. you don't know how well you guys would do if you lived in the same city, lived in the same house and all of that. So there's a lot to figure out. But when it comes to the yeah. daughter, recognize your anger that you have towards her, but try to put yourself in her shoes like okay. I was doing a little bit. Do it even, you know, you know even more and you can ask him more about their family to understand even more of what they've been through. And her not liking you doesn't make her a bad person, doesn't make you a bad person. It just means it's difficult for her to see a new woman in her father's life. I can completely understand that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I will try to be more understanding yes. and um, try to figure out. All right. Yeah, good All luck right. with that. And if you want to call back, we can talk more about the relationship aspect, too. Don't neglect okay. looking at that. But wish you the best and thanks for calling. Thank you so much, Doctor. My Thank pleasure. You so much. Have a great right. day. Take care. Thank you, too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, we've reached our next commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tulakwi. Welcome back. Let's go to our next caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Yes, hi, doctor. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. Doctor, I'm a 49-year-old, mm-hmm. and um, I'm married with two kids. Um, 
and I'm going through some um, issues that I am kind of confused between if it's a midlife crisis or it's depression or it's uh, exhaustion. I don't know what it is. So I'm okay. trying to figure out. Sure. Well, we can talk a bit about what they are. And, you know, figuring out what the label is has some importance to me, but less than what you're actually experiencing. So, yeah, let's let's get into that and see what we can figure okay. out. Sure. Um, this, I have to say that this comes and goes. It's not all the time. Okay. Uh, so sometimes I've, uh, like, I'm, I have no energy to do anything. And I would, let's say, uh, I would start something. First of all, I would relax. I would, like, take a trip or something, short trips or something. Then I come back with the uh, energy. And then um, I will feel that I'm, you know, charged fully. But as soon as I start the next project, whatever it is that I'm trying to do, as soon as I step into it, like two, three hours after that, I'm all, like, regretting why did I even start this? Why should I even go through this? And... Um, I feel sorry that I even uh, am doing this. And also, um, there are times that um, I I feel like I don't want to even communicate with the people that I'm around. Um, uh, my my wife, my you know her family members, my family members. I don't even feel like uh, spending time with them mm-hmm. or doing anything with them. Even though they're full of life, but I, I'm I'm in the middle of it. But I'm I'm there physically, but mentally and emotionally, I'm disconnected from them. Okay. Um, now, how long have you have you felt this way? Like this, it, it's been going on, but it's not. It, it wasn't this uh, strong. But uh, I'm thinking it's getting um, uh, more and more. It's, it's getting to me. So it was, let's say, before it was like every uh, once in every six months or so, but now it feels like uh, uh, this last one, is, I've been in it for like uh, two weeks, and I, I can't get out of it. And I, I'm a very active person, and I do work out, I eat healthy, I do all that stuff, but it doesn't help. And so even during these periods, you still work out and are doing all those things? I'm, I'm doing that regardless. I'm okay. doing the workout and everything well, that's good. regardless. But the feelings are okay. Well, yeah, we, you know, we can look at what's what's going on here. Um, what do you do for work? I'm a small business owner. Okay. Uh, you know, successful. But uh, even that, sometimes I don't feel like um, dealing with it. Uh, there, there are always uh, issues and problems uh, that you know, as a boss, you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are days that I don't even want to deal with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course, yeah, having your own business, there, you have to take on all the stresses of managing everything. Um, are you, do you feel that you're happy with what you do, like the work that you're doing? Yes, yes, because it gives me enough time to uh, be with my kids. I, got, I have two kids, 12 and uh, 8, and I'm um, uh, fully on board with them. So, no, uh, I'm, just, well, that that's good, but I mean... The work itself, though, do you like? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that doesn't sound very convincing, but. Well, um, it's, uh, um, you know, it's it's not uh, something that it's uh, it, it became uh, kind of dead to me because it doesn't have like enough challenges. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's like mm-hmm. I'm trying to generate more business, and that could be challenging, but. Right now, I'm in a position that I, I don't need to generate more, uh, you know, work. So I have enough, and I'm 
kind of satisfied with it, but I, on the other hand, I'm not satisfied with it because I'm not growing. Yeah, maybe, maybe it seems like you're comfortable with it, but not satisfied in that you're getting enough out of your work. Like It seems like you're saying, yeah, it's, it's gotten boring to you. And although often people think that you know, when it comes to work, we want it to be easy, or if we can get out of it, it's a good thing, or you know, we don't want it to be hard, but we know that what actually makes our work rewarding is it has some level of challenge that we feel excited to engage, because the way you described starting a project was you were bored basically before it started and were almost angry and regretting that you had to even do it. And that's definitely not a, no, a good when recipe. I, when, I, when I'm saying a project, let's say uh, that's uh, not involving a work environment. Okay. If I have to do something at work, I, I stick to it and I do it. That's not a problem. I have the passion for it to do it. But when, let's say, I have to do something around the house, I have to fix something around the house, I have to have a project of, uh, uh, you know, remodeling or something in the house or in, at work, uh, I, I, with passion I go into it, but as soon as I get into it, mm -hmm. I don't want to do it. Okay. Uh, how are things with your wife? Uh, it's good. My wife is the best wife ever. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, on the other hand, uh, I'm not... Um, so, um, you know, um, how can I say this? I can do more. I can do more for her. But she's going uh, above and beyond uh, to do everything uh, for me, for my uh, family, for kids, everything. When but you I, on the other hand, yeah. uh, I, I kind of feel the, kind of disconnected with, the, with her recently as well. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not coming from her. It's all uh, with me. Like I said, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to deal with anybody. It's just I just want to be left alone sometimes. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of what you describe sounds like depression. So it could be that you're experiencing depression. But I'm also wondering if there's some um, feelings or you know things that have been there, but then now they're showing themselves that maybe you've had for a while, like resentments or unhappiness that you weren't facing. You seem like you're someone who's very good at getting things done or being good at something, but maybe you were good at also putting away what you really felt or what was going on for you in a deeper level, and now it's showing itself. That's something I just get a sense from hearing you talk about things, that you know how to do it and how to get things done, but I'm wondering how in touch with yourself you've always been let's go back to your your own family tell me yeah. a bit about your family how many siblings you had and then about your your mom and dad uh i have one sister that is younger than me okay. and uh, mom and dad and they're still alive and um uh, my mom had a um, uh, issue with the depression okay and but it was it showed um you know kind of later in life hmm what do you mean by it showed later in life? Like, it got more aggressive uh, when she was, like, uh, uh, 60 or so. Okay. But how do you remember her when you were a child? Oh, when I was a child, um, I, didn't, I didn't feel that. I didn't feel that, that there was a depression or anything. She was just, uh, uh, probably she was angry um, mm -hmm. and more, like, uh, you know, dad was working and mom was taking care of us. So I don't know if that's a, um, 
um, legit um, um, way of saying it that she was angry and but she was she was handling us all the time. But I didn't see much of the dad. Dad was working most of the time, mm. um, and that's how I know that she was harder on us than my dad. Huh. So she. So your dad wasn't around much, so you didn't have him much, and then your mom seems like she was. When you say angry, was she was she physically punishing you guys? Uh, not much, but you know, once in a while, back in around, it was you know, once in a while that would happen. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But not not in a harsh way of you know that you would you know not get knocked out or anything. You know, spanking here, spanking there, that's it. Okay, but then also with the anger, was there a lot of yelling or criticizing? Yeah. yeah. Was there a lot of criticizing as well, like putting you guys down or comparing you to other kids? Mm, not, I, w I would say not that much, but uh, yelling was, was there. Okay. And then comparing you and your sister, who was the more rebellious one or the one getting in more trouble? Well, uh, she was younger, so I was getting in trouble more most of the time. Okay. Like for what kind of things? Would you disobey your mom or just she would get disappointed in you no like uh, you know doing things and uh you know because she was the she was the uh, child she was the little one uh it would always be like you know you should be taking care of her not you know hurting her or you know uh, not taking care of her or stuff like that yeah uh, so i was being blamed for yeah yeah I, you know that it it kind of makes sense in everything you're telling me i get this image of someone who is you maybe take on too much responsibility or burden, but again, that means you have to take away some of your own feelings or what you want yourself. And you got probably very good at that. Even the way you described your work, maybe you like it, but it was that it gets the job done. It makes money for the family and takes care of things, but I didn't get this sense of a passion or uh, that kind of a feeling. And even in general, that I don't feel that a lot in you, this passion for life. It could be that you're feeling depressed right now, but I'm wondering if that has always been the case, that there I hasn't think, always I been passion. I think always the case, and I yeah. think I've been always overwhelmed with everything in mm -hmm. life. Like, uh, I always do, I think, uh, I always do more than everybody else around me. And uh, sometimes I think that's not fair, and, uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. It's my uh, vision, but I think I, I really do like uh, being a small business owner, I would say my wife is working too, and I'm I'm taking care of my uh, boys all the time. And I, I think sometimes I don't have enough time to do things the way I want it. So everything that I'm doing in life is rush, rush, rush. So it doesn't matter what it is that I'm doing, even if I'm going to have, you know, coffee, I cannot have the coffee sit down and enjoy drinking it it's just i have to rush through it to get to the next things that i'm have to do yeah to get the day going yeah you know it's interesting if we think about what you just said a few minutes ago was my wife almost she does too much and i don't do enough but then now you're almost saying i do not too much but i do too much for the time that i have she does things in, in her uh in her power uh, there's there's certain things. Of course, if she wasn't working, uh, which that, if that was the case, uh, she would love to you know take care of the kids and I be on top of the business all the time. But uh, unfortunately, that doesn't work for us. So she has to work as well, mm -hmm. and that's why I'm saying you know she does a lot. Uh, 
comparing to the amount of the time that she has on her hands. Yeah. It's interesting if we look at also what you've just described as your life is that you do everything, you do a lot, but it still almost doesn't feel like it's enough. And when you talked about being a kid, it seemed like for your mom, that's how it was. You tried to be a good boy, it sounds like, and be a good kid, but somehow it wasn't enough and you'd get blamed for things sometimes that really weren't your fault. Um, they'd be get blamed onto you. And we tend to internalize our parents' voice into our own heads. And maybe somewhere in your own head is this voice of your mom that no matter what you do, it's not enough. But then also there's a part of you that feels like I do so much, it feels unfair that it's not enough. Mm. Does that make sense? Because, you know, and even when you talked about her being very angry and then now the depression showing as she was older, we know that anger can be a mask for depression or anxiety, but very often depression can show as being more irritable and angry. And I get the sense that you actually have a lot of anger inside of yourself. I do. I do. Uh, even uh, I'm angry about, uh, you know, angry about things that even, you know, I do, you know, there are things that I would do and I would feel angry that why did I do it this way? Mm. So regardless of doing, you know, dealing with the, uh, everybody else, I have anger towards myself as well. Like I getting have a lot di- of ex- expectations for myself. Yeah, so you get disappointed in yourself. Which I, which I, you know, I do things, you know, very well. And I, you know, like I have, like I said, I don't want to brag, but I'm multi-talented in every way that you, uh, you know, talk to me or uh, talk about something, I will have experience doing something about that uh, subject that we talked. But uh, again, uh, I'm to a point right now that regardless of all this, uh, if I mean, the, the knowledge that I have, I'm getting to like a, a dead end, a constantly hitting a, a dead end that I'm getting, I don't know if it's the age thing that, you know, it's, I'm getting tired this early now, or it's, something that is in my head that is causing this well maybe and maybe of course it could be both but it also could be when you say the age thing that you're looking at your life and looking back at your life and also looking forward and not feeling good about a lot of things and you don't want it to continue the way that it is because even the way when you say i start a project and within an hour or two or two hours i'm tired of it that to me at age of what 49 is not about energy level you know you have the energy to do it it seems like it's much more than that i'm getting the feeling of someone who doesn't maybe didn't get to always live his life or even know what that was but also this feeling of not being enough because you mentioned i'm multi-talented i could do so many things great but it seems like something from within was always not there of not being good enough and the way you describe your childhood dad not being around and an angry critical mother who blamed you for everything even though maybe you compare yourself to your sister and you were doing more and better and and doing better things you were still blamed and and the one that wasn't enough so it it seems like it's something deeper than just what's going on right now we're at a commercial break but i want to continue with you and, and, and talk more about what we've uncovered and talk a bit more about what's going on now okay okay all right just hang on the line you're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. We'll be right back.
back before the break we were with the caller let's go back to him um you still there yes i am okay so you know you're talking before the break you you shared about your your past and for me I, the parallels to your present were pretty strong um and the feeling of just not being enough not doing enough seems very prevalent but then also this internal anger of i do so much uh and yet maybe it doesn't seem to ever be enough but interestingly enough it's almost as if it's not enough to you i don't know if anyone is explicitly telling you what you're doing is not enough but it seems like you feel that way no nobody's telling me as a matter of fact they know that i'm doing a lot but uh, yeah. I, uh you know they, they, they say it like some you know sometimes they can't even they're even wondering how the hell am i doing all this stuff just by myself mm -hmm. and but me myself is like uh, uh that's what i feel yeah and i, I feel like uh, you know everything that the life that what we're doing during this uh our life period is like became to a point that it's everything is repetition mm -hmm. uh i'm doing the same thing every day over and over we see the same people over and over even though i, I have lots of friends i have uh, you know a big family from my wife's side that we're constantly you know going seeing each other but it becomes to me like I, i'm excited to go in it but as soon as i go in it um the first conversation, second conversation, I'm, I'm feeling like, oh, my God, we've been here before. So this is mm -hmm. repetition for me. And I want to get out of it and uh, do something else, but I can't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the feeling of depression, you know, I, I think it's something strong, but I don't want to just look at it as like an isolated feeling. Because a lot of what you described sound like the symptoms of, of depression. You have it genetically, you're saying, from your mother. So it's likely you have a predisposition, but I don't want you to look at it as just, okay, I'm going through depression, I'm going to take some pills or even just go to therapy for a couple of weeks or whatever it might be to deal with it, that I'm going to be better. The depression is telling us something. And that's always when we look at just our all of our feelings, but our negative feelings and then even things like depression, rather than just thinking of, a, uh, thinking of them as something we need to remove or eliminate, we want to let them see how they're informing us. You know, what is this depression telling you about yourself, your life, the way you're living your life, and how you feel about yourself? And I think there's so much there. Um, we're just scratching the surface in what we've talked about today. Uh, and I want to talk some more, but I would highly recommend, if you haven't already, going to therapy to unpack this even further. Have you been to therapy before? Uh, yes, I did once. Okay. Yeah. For how long? Uh, I believe it was for... Months. Two months. Okay, so that's that's basically just getting started. Yeah. Um, so I, I I think you know for me going to therapy for myself I, I go to therapy and I appreciate the process of learning more about myself and constantly that learning more and I recommend it for really everyone but especially with what you're dealing with it seems like there's it's so complex because I think you're recreating your old position in your family now in your life. And then you're mad, but almost some of your anger, or a lot of it might be even directed towards yourself or this inner judge inside yourself that you feel like is judging you. And then you get mad at that judge for why do you think I'm not being enough, even though it's, it's you that's saying that. So it, it's going to be very complicated, but I think it could be very helpful for you to enter therapy and be ready to commit to at least six months with the same therapist uh, going every week to really start to to do something about what's going on because it's not two months to me is like it's as if someone you go to the dentist and they put the the lidocaine in and now you're numb 
and then you leave. You know, that's two months. The work hasn't really even started yet. And uh, one more thing I want to say is, like, mm-hmm. uh, like I feel, um, uh, even though, let's say, with my this past couple of weeks that I said it's uh, really strong, uh, I'm constantly just arguing, arguing. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter who it is. Uh, of course, uh, you know, if it's closer to me, like uh, my wife, I argue with her more. But even outside, with the people that work for me and all that, I just, uh, without even, you know, Wanting, I argue, and I don't like to specifically like communicate with them, or spe- especially for, with my wife. Like I don't, I don't have that patience to sit down and listen. Mm-hmm. I know, like once she's saying one, two, three, I know already what is coming and where is it going. So I wanted to cut short, even though it's the subject could be something that it's sweet, that it's something that I want to know what's happening, but I don't have the patience for her to tell me the details. I just want to get to the end. And I'm yeah. asking her, can you cut it short? Just let me know what is going on. And at the end, I don't have that patience to listen to, uh, you know, long conversations. And this is, and just to, so I'm clear on this, that's something that's changed. Before it was easier for you or you yeah, had more patience? Okay. okay. Yeah, before I could. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so for the first part about getting more angry with people, um, when we are depressed, we're more negative in general in every direction towards ourselves and towards others. And we're much more irritable. So, something like you're talking about patience something that usually we could handle when we're feeling down or depressed or if we're feeling very anxious or stressed we just can't tolerate it and someone says we snap we react to it and so that threshold becomes a lot lower of what makes us react so that's something that you're experiencing and of course i'm sure it's not pleasant and the way you seem to be with yourself i could also imagine you being hard on yourself after the fact why did i react yeah. so harshly why did exactly. i get angry exactly. and so then it becomes a cycle then you get angry with yourself and then you're going to be more irritable when the next interaction starts and then again the cycle continues so um and about your patience the same kind of thing it just seems like you can't tolerate as much and i think you might have more anger in you than you might realize even towards your wife and other people in your life so now when she's talking it's hard for you to even tolerate tolerate listening to her i think uh, i'm getting the feeling of a lot of suppressed anger in you so your wife might be great and you recognize logically that she does so much great for you in the family but there seems to be some anger there too even in the way you describe that up to her capabilities she's doing a lot but it seems like you're disappointed in her in some way that she you wish she could carry more of the burden for your family yeah, uh, like I said, it's not just towards her, it's towards mm-hmm. everybody around me. Yeah. I'm disappointed with everybody's, you know, uh, whatever it is that they're doing, I think they're not doing enough. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's, that's my view from inside. Yeah, and also about yourself, from what I've... Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so it's kind of just, a, it's kind of become pretty global. You know, the it's probably not going to get better before it gets worse. So that's why I would really recommend going into treatment they might even medication is something to think about we'll see if it's necessary i would always start start with therapy first and see how that can help okay. you but you know then and see what can go on from there so whether it's like a midlife crisis or it's just your experience of depression i don't i can't tell you which one but even in asking if it's a midlife crisis sometimes that can make people 
think, okay, well, maybe it's just a phase. I'm going to move out of it. But if you ask me, this is more of something that's been building for a while. Even a midlife crisis is something that's been building for a while. It's that maybe I'm not living my life the way I should, or I'm not happy with how my life has been, and is this all my life is going to be? So it's not just some phase that, okay, well, I'm going to grow out of it. It's telling you something if you're going through it. So however you want to label it, to me, it sounds like depression. It definitely needs some attending to. Okay, what kind of a... um, uh doctor should i see uh, psychologist or yeah i would i would start with the therapist yeah psychologist to to get uh, you know an assessment with them or just do some sessions and then see if he or she recommends that you see a psychiatrist based on their judgment so i, w- I would start there i always maybe it's my bias as a therapist to start there with therapy before going to medication but i think it's always the better route to go is to yeah. start there um, if, you know, I for sure knew you had bipolar disorder, then I would say, okay, psychiatrist, because that requires essentially medication. But your depression, it's possible you, you could benefit from it and need it, but maybe not. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to the psychiatrist first, because for me, what you're describing is that you're carrying a lot from your past, uh, which we really all are. But a lot of what you're saying to me, it, it just echoed your childhood so much, not being enough being blamed for too much, trying to be a good boy or a good guy or a good man, whatever it is, depending on your stage of life, and still not doing enough. And of course, that's going to make you, why would you try hard again if you feel like no matter what you do, it's not enough? No matter what I do, it's going to be a disappointment or not going to be good enough. So I think that's getting in the way of you living your life today. And that's why for me, it would be very important for you to go and try to work, rework some of that childhood, the issues you're having, and then It'll help you in your present day life and relationships. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you very All much right. for your help. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for calling. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Now, you know, the caller brought up something that I think many people can relate to, that feeling of not being enough, not doing enough. Um, most people probably can relate to that on some level. And I think it's worth thinking about for all of us. What does that mean enough? Because I think really for most people, when they feel that way, there isn't a place that they can get to that would make them feel like they're enough from the outside because something is missing from the inside. So we almost lie to ourselves or we think we're figuring it out by saying, you know what, if I just get that promotion, then I'll feel like I'm enough. Once I become assistant manager or vice president of the company or whatever, then I'll, I'll feel enough. But most people find that when they actually get there, they feel just as happy as they were before. And even in the book I talked about today, Sapiens, I mentioned that uh, Harari talks about how if history or the progress we've made throughout history makes us happier and that really he's not sure. And he talks about the research that I've talked about it many times before that money makes you happy just to a certain point, really just making sure you get your needs met and, and things are okay in that um, matter. But after that doesn't make you happier. You don't get much happier. If you make $1 million and all of a sudden they you make $3 million, you're not going to be much happier. We know that that's uh, not going to change your overall level of happiness. And the same is true in our lives. People think, well, if I lose 10 more pounds, then I'm going to really be happy with myself. Or if I get... Uh, that promotion, or if I have a relationship, or if I do this, then I'm going to truly be happy. But for the most part, it's something that's missing within. And that's where we have to take 
a look at ourselves, and that's where I think psychotherapy can be so meaningful. Uh, you might be feeling a depression or experiencing a depression and think, well, if I take some medication, those symptoms go away. And that might be true for many people taking antidepressant medication can relieve their depression just by itself. But as I mentioned to the caller, what we don't want to miss is what are my negative emotions telling me? And especially what is my depression telling me? I talked on the show a few months ago, I believe, about an article that's mentioned that there could be some benefit to depression in that it does give us some insights and some meaning to our lives. We actually can learn from it. But when we view negative emotions and things like depression as something that just need to be removed and eliminated and erased, and maybe sometimes people think, oh, if we can just make it so no one ever felt depressed ever, that would be a good thing. I think we would actually miss a lot because you might not recognize the lessons that those feelings and experiences are actually trying to give you. And so to me, that's why going to therapy when you're feeling depressed is much better than just taking some medication to remove the feelings. And in general, to think of the goal of life as to remove those negative feelings is really, to me, misguided. The goal is to be in touch with all of your feelings, accept them, notice them, recognize them, learn from them, but also at the same time recognize that they do come and go, like waves on the beach or waves of an ocean. Uh, Harari uses that example that some people think we're supposed to get rid of the negative emotions and try to hold on to the good ones. Well, imagine waves that some of them you look at as good and some as bad. And when the good wave comes, you try your best to make sure the wave stays longer. Well, you can't do that. Or when the bad wave is coming, you try everything you do to make sure it doesn't come or push it back. That can't work and is only going to lead to more anxiety and struggling. But if you sit on that beach and peacefully let whatever wave is coming come in and go out, that is a much better experience. And that's what we should try to do with our emotions. Okay, this anxiety is coming. I can accept it and be with it. And I know it's going to pass. This happiness is coming. It feels good while it's here, but I also know that will pass too. And I have these different waves of emotion. But especially going back to what I was talking about with this caller, where there's this feeling of not being enough from within, almost everything we experience can be in the negative. Everything feels not good, not pleasant. Anything we do can just feel like we're feeling good about ourselves in the moment, but there isn't this inner sense of peace about who I am and having worth for being just me, not because of my accomplishments. And again, here therapy can play a big role in self-awareness, but also in creating more self-love and recognition that I have value just for being me. I don't have to be something or do something. I'm a human being, not a human doing. And by myself, I have some value. So thank you to that caller for calling in and bringing up those issues and wish him all the best. Going into our last commercial break, studio number 310-441-0555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tulakwi.
Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hi, Dr. Holakui. Hello. Hello? Yes, you're on the air. Yes. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you so much for helping all the callers. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. I am a 60-year-old woman, Mm -hmm. and I have two kids, and my husband has two kids. My kids live close to me, but his kids live in New York. Mm-hmm. So the problem that I have with my husband is that, uh, you know, for no reason he gets upset. And one time he got upset because of a dog and he kicked my daughter, which is a, a mother herself, in front of her child. And he kicked? all the family, he kicked my daughter out of the house. Oh, kicked her out of the house. Okay. Yes, that was the end of it, that my daughter comes here anymore, and he doesn't even allow her son to come and see me. I go to visit them, but sometimes he cries, and he wants to be here. He wants to spend nights like before with me. But the mother, which is my daughter, he, she doesn't allow that. So I was thinking, okay, if he, does, if he did something like this to my daughter, at least I have my son, that his son can come and go. And the problem is that he cannot stand my other grandson either, and he's only seven years old. And, like, he's watching a beautiful movie in the middle of the movie. He just put the movie on pause, and he wants to check every step of my grandson that is making. Every, sorry, every what that your grandson is making? I'm sorry? Step? I can't hear you. Sorry, I was like, you're saying every what? The, I, I can understand what you said. Every you said he wants to check everything. Every movement. Okay, every yeah. Movement. No, how long have you been? How long have you been married to him? Uh, almost four years. Four. Yeah, four. Okay. Um, he seems like a very angry man. Well, the problem is he thinks he's very calm, and to be honest, he is very calm most of the time. Yes, but I mean, I know, but a a killer is not killing most of the time, but then they kill sometimes, it's enough. So, I mean, uh, he might be calm a lot of times, but if he's getting angry and is kicking people out of the home, that seems pretty extreme. So I'm not saying he's only angry, but it seems like he has an issue with his anger that he can't control it and even has some weird expectations, like he comes to your seven-year-old grandson and wants to monitor his movements. Okay, continue. Doctor, I really don't know what to do. I do have a regular therapist that I go to her and I talk to her, but she's American. And then she hears all these stories. She tells me, you have to get out of this relationship. It's not going to change. You have to get divorced. And I feel like in this age, you know, divorcing again, it's not such a good thing. But now my son doesn't want to come and see me. They all want me to go there, which I do that. But sometimes, you know, as a grandmother, I would love to have all the family together. Because I'm alone here, I don't have any family except my two kids. Yeah, but, I mean, you're choosing someone who doesn't want to let you have your family around you. Uh, You can't, you know, it's like having your cake and eat it too. You're saying, I want to be with this man who is very angry because I don't want to get divorced, but then also I want to have my kids come over to my house even though he's kicked them out of the home and is very difficult to be around. 
I think you're, you're kind of asking for too much. And I know you're thinking, well, my therapist is American. She doesn't get things or he doesn't get things, but, um, I'm not going to say definitely get a divorce, but yes, it doesn't seem likely he's going to change and it doesn't seem like a good relationship. I doubt he's really good to you if you're describing him this way so far. But I think you just have accepted I'm not going to get a divorce. And so you don't want to even look at that as an option. But if you don't want to look at that as an option, then you have to accept the consequences. That's just, you know, that's how it is. You can't say, I want to stay married because divorce is bad. And also I want my kids to come over even though, you know, these things have happened. You, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Well, there are times that I say, you know, yes, I have to get out of the relationship. But in a different way, I say, okay, I feel sorry for him because he's alone. He doesn't have no friend, nobody. No, you feel sorry for yourself. You said you, you feel sorry for yourself because you're alone. Are you, and you can never, staying with someone because you feel sorry for them um, I think people, they feel like they're being Mother Teresa and being so kind, but it's really mean to both you and the other person. That's the, I mean, for anyone. If you're being being with someone because I feel bad for them is never a good reason to be with someone, and it's not even being nice. And I don't, I, it seems like you're you're not just staying for him, with him for him. You're doing it for yourself. You're afraid to get divorced with him. So what you're saying about him a lot of times I think is your own feeling. He's going to be so alone. He's has no one else. You were saying you feel alone. Well, to be honest, doctor, I really don't mind being alone because even though I am married, but I'm most of the time alone because he's always either wants to play with his phone or he wants to watch all these movies that it belonged to a thousand years ago. I don't enjoy anymore. Mm -hmm. And I am alone even though I... I am married. Okay, so, so so what keeps you with him? I'm sorry, I didn't... What makes you stay with him? What's keeping you in the marriage? Well, to be honest, that's what the only thing that... What I know that other people, whatever they want to say, it has no value to me, but still, it affects the way I want to decide. Well, you're saying because of other people? Yes. So because other people will say, oh, she got divorced again. Right. Or is it also they'll say, oh, she left such a good man? Is he? Do people look at him as a good man? Is he wealthy? That's it. Yes, that's what I think. Because people don't see what he really is. Mm -hmm. They see him only when we have gathering, and mm -hmm. they see him as a pleasant man, as a generous man but they really don't see exactly what he is to my kids and my grandkids it, it kills me mm -hmm. well so here again you're, you're faced with another choice do i want to live my life for me and my kids and my grandkids or for the opinions of other people and that's that's a choice that's yours i think it's pretty obvious when i make it that clear but i hope you hear yourself that because um you know so-and-so that I've, I see once a month at these gatherings thinks that I'd be stupid to divorce him, I'm going to stay. Or because people might blame me for the divorce because I might initiate it, and they're going to think, oh, she's so dumb, who does she think she is, who does she this, whatever they're going to think, 
I'm going to not see my grandkids as much. I'm not going to see my kids as much. I'm going to be in a home with someone who I have no relationship with, but I'm showing them that I can make this marriage work or I can stay in this marriage. That, that's your choice, but I want you to see what you're doing and what you're choosing. You're choosing to not be around your kids as much as you'd like to be and to not see your grandkids as much. Just so um, Sakina Khanum doesn't think you made a mistake and divorced this guy that we think is great. And, and that's why I always tell people, I never tell people you were stupid to marry or divorce someone because you don't know what it's like to live with someone. You don't know what their relationship is like. So I have no idea. So that's up to you. You get to make that choice, but you have to face the choice you're making, that you're allowing other people's opinions to rule your life, to make your most intimate and important decisions in your life. Well, thank you so much, Doctor. You helped me a lot. I I know I want to be with my kids and my grandkids all the time, mm-hmm. and basically most of the time. And even so, I would hope you'd be in a relationship that is good for you. I know you think maybe it's too late. Uh, I can't guarantee you're going to find someone, but I wouldn't say it's too late. People find love definitely at later stages in their life but you're staying in a marriage that seems like is not much of a relationship just for, just for other people. Yes, getting divorced is going to be complicated and some parts will be unpleasant, but I think it would be hard to argue that you won't be happier with the result in your personal life. Now, again, what people might say about you or think about you, I don't even think about that, and I hope you don't even put that into your decision-making. But you really have to think about, what am I, what am I doing here? Who am I living my life for? You're right, Doctor. Well, thank you so much. And I really love your program. You're the best. <laughs> You're very kind. Thank you. And, and, and I hope. I love your dad. Oh, my God. I love his program. He yes, really I, I, he does. I love way. him, too. I definitely love him, too. But I don't want to lose track of you. You have to love you, too. Yes. Okay. And do you feel like, let me, let, before you go, do you feel like you're loving yourself by staying in this relationship? No. Yeah. I don't think so. That, and that's. Suffer every second. Yeah. And, you know, we only have a few minutes left, but I'm sure if we look at your childhood, and of course, all of us care about what other people think to a degree, but there's something here where it's so strong. In you and so loud that it can drown out this pain that you're feeling right now just so that other people approve or just to not give other people the satisfaction that you did this or that and and i'm glad you're going to therapy and i'd continue going and yeah, today at, i have an appointment at three but i wanted to talk to you first again well i'm glad i got to talk to you but you know i'm glad you're going to therapy and that's where you're doing the real work i'm you know maybe talking together made you see some things a different way but really your therapist is one that's going to help you and you're the one at the end that has to help yourself to to learn and to make the the decisions for yourself but i wouldn't assume something you mentioned before kind of offhand that oh she's american so she doesn't maybe get marriage and divorce for iranians and maybe there's something she doesn't see exactly how you see them but her recommendation for divorce seems pretty sound Um, you know so i would don't discount her opinions or thoughts because she's american she's you know seems like she can be very very helpful and i hope you continue going there 
and especially continue to recognize I have to do what's best for me and that's loving to me, not make my choices for anybody else. Because in one of the arguments that we had together, uh, he told me I'm the only one I'm important in this house. Yeah, that, so that, that's... I should be happy and mm-hmm. healthy and I don't care about others. So, so I, I think... That, yeah, that's heartbreaking that he says that and some people see themselves and see relationships in that way. And of course, you have to look at why you've been willing to accept that type of a uh, relationship. But clearly, he doesn't. it's not that you guys are having challenges and he wants to work on it. He sees it as he's better than you, he deserves more than you, and you're lucky to be with him. But I hope you, you hear that and I'm glad you're going to therapy in about an hour and maybe you can explore whatever it is, including this later. But make make the best choice for yourself. You deserve that, and I, I we can't care about what anyone else thinks. We have to care about what you and your you think and what you're going to do with your family. But wish you the best. Um, I do have to wrap up, but thank you for okay, calling. Okay, doctor. Thank you so much. Take good have care. A nice afternoon. Thank you. You too. Bye bye. All right. Thank you to all the callers and the listeners, and to Raman here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Doctor Fadi Halakwi. Hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you.